0: Today's program has been brought to you by Underground Meats, an American producer of handcrafted salami and cured meats in Madison, Wisconsin. For more information, visit shop.undergroundfoodcollective.org or stop by their butcher shop in Madison, Wisconsin. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
1: Episode 86, Jen <laughs> <laughs> Episode 86, Jen Tullick, from the morning after. I'm Jessie Kiefer. And
2: I'm the recently 86th Jen Tullick.
1: She did something awful, and that's why she's no longer going to be with us, but... I fired myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, in reality, Jen Tullick, as I'm sure anyone who listens to this knows, she's an incredibly talented actor and voices galore. She She's just blowing up, and... She has to focus on on that.
2: I have um, I have a lot of new conditioners. I would like to try <laughs> this this month, so I need to take some time off. No, I am I am taking a step back from the show, and I will say it has been a goddamn pleasure <gasps> um, working with the amazing Jesse Kiefer, who is going to keep the candle burning. Um, with a an, an inevitably amazing uh, revolving door of co-hosts and guests alike, I will definitely be popping back in from time to time to say hello and to uh, for the millions of our listeners. I just want to make sure you know they still know I'm alive. Um, but yes, it is today's my swan song. It is
1: I, It feels kind of like remember when it was Regis and Kathy Lee? And then Kathy Lee was leaving to, like, I, I think, take care of her children or something like that. And I was like, you can't have a show that's called Regis and Kathy Lee without Kathy Lee. Well,
2: now it's gonna who's gonna be your Kelly?
1: Well, I mean, it's gonna we're gonna do like a a, a worldwide search. I think
2: this is exciting.
1: I'd love to have a hand in <laughs> casting. I guess I'll give you some input.
2: Um, okay. That would be great. So I'm thinking yeah, worldwide for sure. Because I think if we yeah. could pull in some international talent, that would be really great.
1: Well yeah, now since I was in Greece, like I've got I've got some like some maybe some Greeks. Um that would they're be they're incredibly enthusiastic. Um they like drinking wine with me in the middle of the day, I'm sure of that. Um but yeah, I mean I will expand my world.
2: Well, I can't say it'll be the same every Sunday.
1: It of course it won't. It it won't. But it'll be It'll still be the morning after and you'll be around to, you know, just to pop your head and you're going to be like the the guest star.
2: I live like an eight minute walk away. I'm going to I'm probably bother you more now that I'm not doing the show than I did previous. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, there's not a lot out here in in Bushwick. I'm sorry, excuse me. As a new
2: resident of Bushwick, I would not like to hear that sort of slander. Ladies and gentlemen, Jessie Keeper just moved just left the island. She left the island, ladies and gentlemen. She paddled all the way here and now I, she's yeah, living I in did. Bushwick. With
1: with my cat, my girlfriend, her mother's ashes and
2: <laughs> all in one tiny
1: raft. All in one tiny raft. <laughs> it was uh it was a dark moment, but also a super positive moment and I I am really happy to be a new resident of Brooklyn. Um, I I feel like the dream of the 90s is alive in Brooklyn for for Aaron and I. I feel as though we we really hit the jackpot with a bigger apartment, a much bigger apartment, Uh and less rent. Yeah. And that's that's not always the story in Brooklyn these days. I mean, it's, it's Well, yeah, just it depends as- on
3: where you
2: go. I mean, fucking Williamsburg and Cobble Hill and Fort Greene and Park Slope are just as expensive as where you just left.
1: Exactly. Well, and, and originally, you know, the plan five years ago was to leave the island to Brooklyn for exactly what we got, you know, a week ago. Right. But it wasn't there. And so we ended up in the East Village. And, and I have to say, like, you know, coming down from all those creature comforts that are. So, so close. I mean, oh, Roberta's really is an oasis out here.
2: I will say this. You're, you don't know the lay of the land yet. On my, mm-hmm. like, three-by-three-block radius alone, there's a brand, there's Milk and Pole, which is, like, an amazing Australian-style espresso bar with, like, organic baked goods from Doe. Uh, there are, like, four new wine bars, some really good restaurants. Just got to go searching,
1: babe. Well, I will say we have sought out something yeah, that you guys had a great meal the other night. We had a great meal last night. Where did you go? We went to the combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. Two
0: and one. I'm the pizza hut. What? I'm at the
2: I mean, I'm equally, I'm, I'm, I'm equally angry about two things: one that I wasn't there for this, and two that I didn't think of that song first. But what did you eat?
1: Bean and cheese burritos and Aaron had two vegetarian uh, tacos, yeah, they can make them there it 's just putting beans into the into the regular hard shell taco no no, no, no no
2: you got go you got to go over to northeast kingdom
1: you got to go. there are plenty of places to eat well I, I, I know this, Jen, but when you need an immediate fill, you know and it's steps away from your apartment i can 't blame you so i i mean i I am incredibly baffled. this is something I learned. I only learned about in New York City. Does a combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell exist anywhere else? Oh,
2: yeah, definitely. Everywhere else? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've seen them in the, West, the Midwest. I've seen them um, well in airports. I happen to know, <laughs> not to name drop, but my time here is limited. So I want to go ahead and pull out on my big guns. Uh, I did grow up with the daughter of the CEO of Yum Foods. And by grow up, I mean I went to school with her for like three years and we barely knew each other. Um, and the um, douchey uh, Christian conservative private school that I went to was uh, their like brand new football field was named after his company, I remember. And once I went to a sleepover at their house and my uh, – this. Uh, super bitchy character who shall not be named hung my brow up on a chandelier, um, which she recently contested via Facebook. So
1: kind of bra was it?
2: Oh God, I was 13. So it was
1: probably like, Oh, it's so embarrassing. Bras are so embarrassing at that moment.
2: I I was definitely at that age where I was only wearing one to say that I wore one, (laughs) but it was basically like, you know, if you put a bra on Anderson Cooper, I mean, I was like,
1: (laughs) I've never seen them topless.
2: Well, I wish I could say the same. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, but I mean, she never gave. So, so Taco Bell and Pizza Hut are owned by the same people. Yeah, but they would never
2: eat it. That was a great thing because that's the truth. They ate pizza. But I remember like going to their amazing, beautiful house and they, would, they ate really well. They gardened and ate like organic food. And I was like, there's such a poetic irony here. I'm probably going to get killed in my sleep by...
1: I'm sure they have spies.
2: Oh, I'm sure I'm going to have to sign Heritage, an NDA
1: a Heritage after radio this Network. episode. I'm <laughs> never allowed to
2: mention those companies again.
1: Um, no, but we, we're going to be able to see you, uh, on the interwebs and things soon, correct? Oh yes. I did just, uh,
2: shoot a commercial for which I'm not allowed to say. Oh, okay. So, um,
1: keep an eye out for I, Jen Tullick cause you can see her so well on the radio. I,
2: <laughs> uh, yes, I will. If you live in the tri-state area, uh, or if you have the internet um, in the tri-state area, you might you might see me in a new commercial. Yes.
1: And you're also performing tomorrow.
2: Correct.: I am performing tomorrow. My uh, betrothed and I soon to be betrothed, my fiance Lindsay and I are sharing a bill at Trash Bar, uh, which is in Williamsburg. Lindsay is on at eight. Iggy Dean is her name. Iggy Dean is playing at eight. Genitari is playing at nine. Uh, Genitari has had a recent resurgence. We just played Liberty Hall the other night. It was awesome. Um, we're working with a new amazing rapper, a New York rapper named Xavier, who I'm really pumped about. So if you want to hear some hip hop and some, also, some awesome like weird indie rock looping action, come to Trash Bar at eight o'clock.
1: I'll be there. Good. So uh, today we have no one in studio. It's just Jen and I just drinking, looking haggard and all that. And Joe,
2: and our Joe. engineer fabuloso who has a new stash.
1: He looks incredibly handsome, ladies. I wish you could see him. But Joe?
2: Thank you, guys. It makes me like, I just feel great right now. My self-esteem is Listen, just skyrocketed. I, mean I walked in and I said, who is that well Lothario? It cannot be Joe.
1: And it was. <laughs> Joe Galarraga Gosson. <laughs> that's that's his new name. <laughs> anyway, no one in studio today. But um, uh, a week ago, I was uh, lucky enough to sit down with Chef Chris Gowanski of Henri in Chicago. And uh, when we come back from break, we will listen to the interview with him. He was fantastic, and I'm so excited about what he's doing. Um, he has. We'll talk a little bit about it in the interview, but he has this really well curated caviar program. Where um, it, it's kind of everything from entry level to advanced. So you can explore caviar without feeling the pretension or feeling intimidated. And um, I just think that's so important when it comes to, to food in this world right now. We have access to so many things, and it's important for everyone to be able to access those.
2: Absolutely. It's interesting because that's exactly the conversation I had with Claire Paparazzo the other night, which, or, or the other day rather, when she was in the studio talking about sort of sucking out the. Um, the pretension to use your phraseology Mm -hmm. and uh, you know the sort of preconceived notions about wine and making it accessible because it is something from the earth that's meant to be enjoyed. By the way, ran into Claire Paparazzo during my bachelorette party. How did she look? She looked fabulous as usual. She's Mm -hmm. a dream. Mm -hmm. Um, I was rather drunk and she walked into Musket Room, which was awesome. They were so great to us. Matt Lambert, Chef Matt Lambert. He was on the show a few episodes ago. He was on the show. He was amazing. I was drunk. I saw Claire Paparazzo. I'm pretty sure I sang her name uh, across the restaurant I believe that so we love you Claire awesome I can't wait to hear about uh, about that because I would love to be introduced to some uh, caviar
1: we're going to take a break here on the morning after we're going to come back with our interview with Chris Gawanski of Henri in Chicago
0: you are listening to Seriously
2: by Sleepies on the Heritage Radio Network
0: Underground Meats is an American producer of handcrafted salami and cured meats in Madison, Wisconsin. They use small farms from southwest Wisconsin to source their meat. The animals are raised on pasture for their entire lives by farmers who care about animal welfare. While Underground Meats uses European traditions, they also use ingredients from the upper Midwest to try to create new types of salamis, experimenting with both ingredients and techniques. The salamis are made using heritage breeds, mostly Red Waddles, Tamworths, Berkshires, and Mule Foots. Try their award-winning cured pork shoulder and goat salami. To learn more and purchase products, visit shop.undergroundfoodcollective.org or stop by their butcher shop in Madison, Wisconsin.
1: This is the Morning After on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jesse Kiefer. In studio today, executive chef... Of Henri in Chicago, Chris Goronsky. Welcome to the studio.
4: Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.
1: I want to say you've traveled a lot of miles, but it's not that far.
4: No, no, not too bad, not too bad at all. Actually, it's uh, it's it's been a pleasure coming to to New York uh, this past weekend. I uh, Got to hang out in Williamsburg and see all the, the funky, cool stuff. So I'm pretty pretty happy to be here.
1: <laughs> and now you're all the way out in Bushwick.
4: And now I'm all the way out in Bushwick. But uh, you know, I, I stumbled upon Bushwick the other night. Couldn't tell you where the heck I was, but uh, pretty happy. I couldn't believe it. This uh, it's a cool side of town. Really enjoyed over here.
1: So tell us, us New Yorkers, about Henri in Chicago.
4: Well, Henri—it's—it's uh, uh, it's basically a modern French restaurant, but not too modern. We definitely—we uh, definitely like to take uh, the old school approach to a lot of things. Uh, you know, miss mispronounced a lot you know hanks it's is kind of our adoring uh, way of pronouncing it i call it hanks burger bar you know even though it's like s- <laughs> with french close. fries oh yeah you know you gotta have your, your your frites with everything uh you know most of our clientele when we first started up uh, they all have pretty much like you know they're coming with purple hair and uh, and uh, and strollers and they're calling it uh, Henry's, uh, but uh, are, we've definitely kind of uh, we've we've in the last three years we've we've developed a nice clientele a diverse clientele and you know I think we're finally starting to get people to call it uh, Henri instead of uh, Hanks or Henry's now. So
1: you're right across the street from Millennium Park, which is kind of I guess Chicago's equivalent to the High Line here in New York.
4: Yeah, you know, I I would definitely say that it's a huge draw, um, and they're I mean they're building it even more. They're building Daily Park, and it's going to be massive. And uh, it you know, of course, it when you uh, you have a coffee in the morning when you sit on, on the the front porch or some porch I guess sidewalk <laughs> of uh, of Henri, you get to see all the funny tourists walking by and like you know taking pictures under what you know the bean is <laughs> what we call it there. But uh, it's a great location just I mean, for people watching alone.
1: Um so is a, a lot of your clientele uh tourists or are they locals?
4: You know it's funny we have a, a, a lot of of uh, locals. Uh downtown uh Chicago Oh, there it is. See there's that accent. <laughs> I knew it would come out. Yeah, oh man. Uh no, downtown Chicago is uh it has a lot of business of course and a lot of tourism. Um But we realized that there wasn't a lot of great restaurants in that Mm -hmm. that, uh, South Loop kind of proper area. And uh, so there's actually quite a few people that live down there that never really go out to eat. So we have a ton, a ton of uh, regular clientele Mm -hmm. that we built throughout these last few years. But beyond that, uh, I'd say half of our clientele doesn't speak English. It's great. Well, maybe they can
1: pronounce Henri then.
4: Oh, <laughs> well, some of them It's perfect. They're like,
1: oh, look at this,
4: oh, I'm like, oh, yes, yes, yes. It's a beautiful French. Uh, and then of course they come in, and then there's a bunch of Chicago accents. You know, just kind of squawking at them. They, you know, they look fun. They look at us a little funny. So,
1: <laughs> did you uh, did you always know that you you wanted to be in in French cuisine, or have you kind of gotten yourself a well-rounded education in in the culinary world
4: i would say well-rounded you know uh, definitely well-rounded good bad and otherwise uh, i've gone all over the board you know i shoot i worked for uh swedish cuisine you know where pickled herring was the best thing on the menu and uh you know, you kind of always smelled funny going home at the end of the night. You know, <laughs> gone all over the board. You know, Japanese, the, back in the day when fusion was a cool word. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, now it's a swear word. Pretty much. Yeah, you just don't want to say it. Um, <laughs> but uh, French has kind of been all, always the root. Uh, that's what I was taught. You know, my, uh, my dad taught me how to cook. And, you know, he's one of the, I, I call him the old guard. You know, where they, he actually knew what, like, a brigade system was, you know, where there's, like, 50 people in the kitchen. They all had a specific job. And, of course, you know, they're all wearing those giant paper totes.
0: Yeah.
4: And, and uh, you know, sweating, smoking cigarettes in the kitchen and being crazy. Uh, yeah, that's that's who taught me how to cook, you know. So uh, that's kind of what drew me back, especially towards Henri.
1: Do you speak French?
4: No. <laughs> no. I It's funny because, uh, you know, I'm Polish. My grandfather calls me a bad Polak because my Polish is horrible.
1: <laughs> I uh, wish I wish our co- my co-host Jen was here because she actually speaks Polish. Oh, really? Yeah, she used to live in Poland. Wow,
4: that's pretty good. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. No, bad Polish. Yeah, bad Polish. So there's bad Polish, okay. And then you know, I run a French restaurant, and I don't speak French. So I must be a bad French chef, too. But, you know, we do our best. <laughs> I don't think you're a bad French chef. <laughs>
1: but, I mean, I, I, I imagine that uh, you speak kitchen French.
4: That's you know, That's that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, I've had a, a couple of books passed down through the years, and you just unfortunately you had to learn French through reading these old cookbooks because they're all in French. And so I'm like, you know, just reading. I'm like, what the hell does this mean? You know, but Google uh, uh, Translate. Yeah, that's you know what. That's the best thing about technology. Absolutely, I love that thing. It <laughs>
1: helps you cook. Really. So uh, tell me about your your caviar program at onre
4: Well, our caviar program, we. We were looking at it because uh, we were bringing it in for special clients here and there, and then I started thinking more and more about it, more about people that were in the industry, that you know that should try it but never had the chance to, because you know it is expensive. And uh, so I figured, all right, you know I'm going to do a tasting program, and in in order to do so, I'm going to have to figure out a way to present this. And uh, and what ended up happening is I was going over all these plates and everything like that. And I couldn't find anything, and everyone has plates, and everything else. All, like, all of the things out there were just horrible. And I remembered uh, that uh, my dad has, like, these crazy, huge, like, I mean, 50-year-old abalone shells the size of a football. I mean, you never want to eat that abalone. It would be disgusting. It seriously <laughs> tastes like shoe leather. But he had them all in his garage, and the, the guy's a hobbyist. I mean, anything you can get his hands on, he does. And so I called him up one day. I said, hey, what are you doing? I'm about 20 minutes away from home, and home is actually in Michigan and uh so i drove up there and we spent all day in his shed shaping these these giant abalone shells and polishing them so they're essentially like the perfect vessel mother of pearl shells mm-hmm. you know but uh but nobody else can get them because well uh, we made them mm-hmm. and that in turn made for a really cool presentation and and in turn basically let it let us um like give the avenue of a tasting like a tasting style like we if you only wanted five grams and you didn't want to spend all that money. Uh, we have all these different options on the menu. Mm-hmm. You know, a caviar out of Idaho, which is fairly inexpensive but beautiful stuff. Uh, the guy's name is Leo Ray uh, Snake River. It's it's amazing, uh, which is it's fairly inexpensive. And then mm-hmm. you know you can go all the way up to like your Kalugas, your Ocetras, and your shrinky caviars. You know, but in order to to kind of bring people into the fold and not make them so scared. Mm-hmm we came up with this system, like, where, you know, you could just have little, basically, quinelles or dollops of caviar, and you can have as little as you want, as much as you want. You could taste, you know, the variety, if you'd like, in small increments, and it, it's kind of like a, it's an education in caviar without it being scary, you know, and that's what we came up with, and luckily for, well, luckily for my job status, it's been wildly <laughs> successful, <laughs> you know.
1: I mean, I, I haven't heard of a lot of places doing that. I mean, I think there's many restaurants that educate, you know, uh, by way of, of wine or 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 other cuisine, but specifically caviar. I mean, that's such a little niche market.
4: Yeah, you know, it's it's where we just kind of fell upon it, really. Um, and it's great that we found this niche uh, because in our restaurant, we don't, you know, uh, especially uh, with our owner, Billy Lawless, he is, uh, he's a, he's a loud, boisterous you know, funny Irishman that definitely takes the presence of the room but never wants to ostracize anyone. Mm-hmm. And in Henri, it's a 65-seat room, small, quiet, you know, French parlor. And walking in alone, I'll tell you, it it can be almost intimidating. Um, so we work really hard to try to make, like, make people feel very comfortable. And that's translated into our cuisine, especially the caviar.
1: Is that uh, – do you do a French style of service or are you trying to – also, you know, add that, that, um, that comfortable approach to your, your style of, of, of service?
4: It's, well, I would say it's very professional yet very comfortable. Um, and most of the people that I talk to when I, when I talk to tables, you know, they say it's, it's, it's great to come in here because even if I'm not a regular, you certainly treat me as though I am one. Um, you know, very professional. There's, you know, no one's kneeling at a table or, you know, mm-hmm. you know, wearing Kichi buttons like you do at TGI Fridays or something, but, uh...
1: That say Hanks. Oh, yeah.
4: Hanks Burger Bar. <laughs> Welcome. You know, there's, yeah, there's no welcome. My name is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's very approachable. Like all of our staff, you know, they, they pretty much self train. <laughs> you know, they, they police themselves and make certain that, like, when you come to the restaurant, the minute you walk in the door, you're feeling welcome. You're not feeling as though... Um, it's an honor for you to be there. It's more our honor for you to have you there. You know, that has always been our thing.
1: Yeah. You know? So I was telling you guys earlier, I was born in Chicago and I haven't lived there since 2004. So I want to know, uh, the state of, of food in the city, in my, my birthplace city.
4: Uh, well, this, the state of the food is it's growing exponentially. Um, you know, Chicago always has, and especially in the last you know 20 or so years, the high, very incredible high-end restaurants. You know, when Charlie Trotter started it, Alinea, of course, um, and and beyond that, it seemed as though there wasn't a lot building around. You know, but uh, now Chicago is really just building into a full spectrum, um, to where even uh, essentially like your your average. Cafe style place is going to have a, a focus, you know. Maybe if it's a farm focus or farm to table focus, uh, things of that nature. It's just building in all aspects where there's not just the high and the low anymore. And uh, you know, I attribute that to uh, the cool kids in Wicker Park and Bucktown. You know, uh, they've certainly been trendsetters for Chicago, and a lot of the business people have rallied around that. And uh, so now. You know, instead of just having the highs and the lows, there's just a bevy of different options to go there. And it's building every single day. You know, it's, it's actually, it's kind of fun to be a part of that. You mm-hmm.
1: know? So. What's your, aside from Henri, favorite favorite restaurant right now?
4: My favorite restaurant, which is, well, it's my regular restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's called Rootstock. It's, uh, it's in Humboldt Park. It's a wine bar. It's a wine bar. Yeah, that's I funny. know of it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's two blocks away from my home. They stay open late, so of course they're you know they're industry, industry you know focused, but uh, they're great. You go in, it's just all sorts of different wacky furniture that you know they got from a flea market somewhere, and they have great knowledge on food, great knowledge on wine, and you can just sit there and they'll let you sit there all night and have a drink. And at the end of the night, usually, well, the tradition when I go there is at the end of the night every single time, shot of Fernet, boom. You know, and then kind of waddle my way home, <laughs> uh, which is great, because it's two blocks away. Uh, and I like that place because they do—it's—it's it's exactly what I was talking about. It's the food in Chicago. It's just—it's—it's expanding, and a place like Humboldt Park, you probably wouldn't have found that ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, and now you find this just wonderful little gem with just a great wine selection and a great beer selection, and and fabulous food to go along with it. And it, it's just so comfortable and approachable to be there. So it's, it's funny because my favorite place is not the fanciest of the fancies. It's it's where I go to, like I said, you know, uh, talk shop and uh, and have a shot of Fernet at the end of the night. You know, so
1: if uh, anyone is going to Chicago and wants to visit Henri, uh, what should they do? Uh, reservation, I imagine.
4: Uh, reservations are certainly uh, they're certainly ex- encouraged, um, but we certainly we do a very good job of trying to build people in and we have our sister restaurant next door the gauge so if we do walk-ins and we when we fill up because we're small uh we'll we'll usually buy people a drink next door and tell them to come on over when mm-hmm. we're ready so we try to keep it you know very hospitable and you know we don't want people going anywhere else so we'll mm-hmm. buy you a drink you can come sit next door and see the raucous environment of gauge and then basically have the nice quiet <laughs> 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 subdued tranquil uh meal at Henri. so
1: what's the website
4: uh, it is, um, well, it's dot Yeah. So. All
1: right. dot com. Thank you so much for being here, Chris. Oh,
4: thank you. It's my pleasure.
1: This is the morning after on heritage radio network.org.
0: You're listening to Strange Feelings by Sleepies
2: on the Heritage Radio Network.org. I was thinking about one uh, what one might eat on that menu if they were, as I am, in a Bridezilla pretox. So, uh, Joe, can I get some of that funky, funky music?
3: Hey, ladies, and welcome to the third annual Equinox Fitness Skinny Bitch Bridezilla Pretox Workshop. You're all looking fabulous already, but today we're going to learn just a few quick tips to get you looking fiercer than ever for your special day. I'm your host, Sandra Bergen-Crispel. And, and before we get started, I just want to say that the reason I do. I'm sorry, the reason I do the work that I do is because I believe that every woman should feel beautiful, regardless of size, shape, race, or HPV status. I have a cousin in Indianapolis who runs a colonic clinic for preteen print models, and I'm like so inspired by the work that she does. Like everyone can make a difference, which is what brings me here today. If I can help even just one of you fit into that garish, horrifically overpriced, diamond-studded circus tent, then I have done my job. So if we could all raise our gluten-free vodka, sugar-free cranberry red bulls to that, we can get started. Cheers, Betches. Now in front of you, you'll find three sample meals meant to serve as your dietary guidelines for the next six weeks. These three sample meals, along with a pink Livestrong bracelet and Katy Perry flip-flops, were included in your $6,000 tuition, so enjoy them as a gift from us. Starting with breakfast, you'll find an unsweetened iced coffee and a third of a kiwi. Eat up, girls. This is where the metabolism really starts working for the day. As a late morning snack, you can enjoy a stick of sugar-free china, an apple wedge, or just brushing your teeth with some really flavorful toothpaste. If you find yourself finding a craving, suck on one of your pre-made raspberry seltzer ice cubes. Or just go stand next to a co-worker who's uglier than you. This ego boost alone should help you over the hurdle. Uh-oh, it's lunchtime, and you know what that means. Midday temptation tantrum. But fear not, you spelt-svetlanas. When everyone else is eyeing that double Frisco melt from Quiznos, you can rest easy knowing that you've got a wedge of lifeless iceberg lettuce and a room-temperature Coke Zero waiting in your bedazzled lunch pail. Bon appétit, petite. Well, here we are at 3 p.m., two more hours wasting that communications degree in a felt-lined cubicle, and you're free to live your skinny life at large. Uh-oh, here comes your boss about that light, that late cost report. Quick aside, tiny dancers, on the borderline fatal calorie count you're on, you will lose some basic cognitive functions and motor skills, so don't be alarmed if at some point you become incredibly cold, drool on yourself, or lose consciousness completely. Now is the time to reach for that aerated chocolate stevia square and savor the flavor. If you do find yourself waking up in the hospital after a pass out, just ask one of the nurses to feed it to you. They're usually really good about that. Moving on to dinner time, it's time to heat up that heart-shaped Tupperware, fat-free, gluten-free Caesar salad with six strategically placed craisins. If your man's not at home, curl up in front of that plasma TV and watch the three episodes of Dance Moms that you've TVO'd while carefully counting your ravenous bites. And don't think I forgot about desserts, my little itsy-bitsies. Do yourself a favor and unwrap the rest of that kiwi from this morning, paired with a sensible pour of Skinny Bitch Strawberry Dream Vodka over two frozen blueberries. Who's feeling satisfied? Okay, so, um, is she okay? I th- is she okay, the girl in the back? Is she okay? Um, I think we, okay, I think we I think we lost a girl on the back. She's, she might be seizing. I think she's having a seizure. Can somebody check her pulse? Does anyone know how to do that? Does anyone know how to check a pulse? Chessa, can you call nine one one? I think she might be seizing. Um okay, ladies, let's take a quick break and come back in ten for our second lecture, how to effectively hide your double chin while taking wedding day selfies. Thank you so much for coming. Is she breathing? Her top is really this, so I can't tell if she's breathing or if it's just the wind from the window. Okay, just drag her out in the hall. I'll take care of it. It's fine. So uh, that was uh,
2: just a little Chardonnay that I wanted to revisit today since uh, I, am, I am taking a step back from the show to focus on my own Bridezilla experience. Um, we, uh, Lindsay and I got a juicer, a really nice juicer, off of our bridal registry. And I was like, you know, if I got a juicer, I'm going to juice. So as we talked about a couple shows ago, I did juice for a couple of days. Uh, the only change I felt was that my vision became poorer uh, and I had my first actual murder-suicide thoughts. Um, So I did feel a change. It's true that you do feel different.
0: Um, So so
1: positive words (laughs) for a juice cleanse.
2: (laughs) I mean, I did it right, too. It was like kale, carrots, apples, pineapple, yes, get all those vitamins. I was fucking starving. (laughs) Yeah, no. <laughs> I was fucking starving. Never again. But you know what? I'm glad I had the experience. And I have to say, I Lindsay and I both swore you know, going into this. We were not going to be like that. We're, we have an untraditional union to begin with, so we weren't going to like fall into those bullshit traditional traps of being like asshole brides. But we totally have. We were at a, a meeting this morning with our day of coordinator at Le Pan du Um And I looked at the... There's one of those in Brooklyn? The carnage. No, we were in Union Square. We were on the island. Thanks for letting us borrow the raft, by the way. Um, So we, you know what? There's no fucking L train right now, so I might as well have rafted. Yeah, absolutely. Because taking that shuttle, (laughs) it takes longer than the raft would have. But I looked at the table of the, like, seating chart carnage. Just, like, 50,000 papers with scribbles and, like, tears and blood drops on them. Just like manically chugging coffee and looking at each other, like, this is gonna happen, right? This will be fine, right? And um, I want you to remember this when you're at the wedding the day of seeing me calm, serene, and perfectly quaffed.
1: I won't believe you. Well, we'll see what happens. You'll be perfectly quaffed and all that. Yeah. I'm not
2: gonna believe you that you're. I'm gonna smell you're delicious. Calm. I gotta be wearing new panties, and my dress is fabulous. I, I'm gonna miss you, Gentelic. Ugh. I'm going to miss you, Jesse Keeper. But I'm going to harass you in real life now
1: without headphones. All right. That's acceptable. This has been episode 86. Jen Tullock. <laughs> Sign off for one last time.
2: You know what? org. You've been an amazing family to work with. And I love you all very dearly. And I thank you sincerely for letting me be a part of this awesome thing that's only going to get bigger and explode more brightly so thank you thank you Joe and Jack and Aaron and Patrick and most of all you I love you and the show is going to be amazing without me and I promise I'll be back to bother you <laughs> great this has been Jen Tolick with the morning after on org.
0: thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org